is Songwriter's Room, and I'm your host, Tomoko. Today's guest is Skip Martin. Skip Martin is a Grammy Award-winning vocalist, trumpet player, songwriter, producer, and author. Hailing as the lead vocalist for The Daz Band, and as one of the former lead vocalists for Cool and the Gang, he released six consecutive top 100 albums and two top 100 singles and won the Grammy Awards with the Daz Band for the song Let It Whip, which he co-wrote. As a trumpeter, he won Outstanding Trumpet Soloist at the Monterey Jazz Festival while in high school. Since then, Skip has been singing and playing trumpet for 50 years now and has performed for more than 1 million people in more than 40 countries. Skip is an author of a children's book, Morgan the Clydesdale Pony, and an adult audiobook, Fabulous of a Paid Piper. He is also a humanitarian act of kindness for hundreds of senior citizens, earthquake victims, tsunami victims, and kids in inner city schools. I know Skip can tell us something interesting story today, so can I get a whoa whoa? Whoa whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gents, please welcome Skip Martin! Thank you, thank you. How are you doing out there? Great, thank you Great. for being on Songwriter's Room. Yes, thank you so much. Arigato gozaimashita. Doitashimashite. <laughs> well, first, Skip, can you give us a quick 15-second live performance so we can get a little taste, please? Oh, oh my goodness. I just wanted to share with you, uh, let's see. and there's no time to lose. You're the one, choose I only want to be you. You're the one for me, can't you see that I, I won't waste your time with something refining you. That kind of vibe. Okay? Yes! <laughs> That's the bridge of the Lady Whip. That's the jam. Yes. You have a very distinctive voice, but I can tell right away. Oh, that's Skip. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, you're welcome. You said you partially wrote of that song, but you didn't really get paid. You didn't get the credit. How so? Well, back in the days, you know, we didn't. We were just so excited and enthused to do something and record things. And, the song was brought into us. It was written by originally by Reggie Andrews and Ndugu Chancellor. When it came in, it sounded so stark and it was so straight. It didn't have any grit to it, no soul, no vibe to it. You know, we as the singers were interpreting it, myself, Kenny Pettis, and Pierre DeMud. And I learned a lot of singing from Kenny Pettis, who was the lead vocalist of Kinsman Daz when I first came into the group. Then we changed the name to the Daz Band. And he was very soulful. He had a lot of flavor in his licks and his style of singing. And so there was a guitar line that said, And we said, why don't we find a line that we can sing that goes along with that? And we said, let's whip it, baby. Let's whip it, right. Let's whip it, baby. Let's whip it all night. And we sat there and came up with those lines and what have you. As the bridge came, the producer, Reggie Andrews, he was in the control room and he was telling me, he said, you know, Skip, we don't want you to, you know, this is kind of, give me, it's no time to lose. You're the one, you know, give me something. You're the one that you only want to be with you. You're the one for me. Can't you see that I, I want you to just kind of vibe it, you know? And I said, okay. So I just interned it, you know, I interpreted it 
And because uh, it wasn't really laid out to say it that way, I just interpreted it and I made my own mind. You know, there's no time to lose. You're the one to choose. I only want to be with you. You're the one with me. Can't you see that I, I won't waste your time. Something divine in you, but I'm from you. Now, when they stopped it, they said, but I'm from. Reggie told me, he said, Skip, just give me anything, something. He said, I said, anything? He says, anything. <laughs> and I thought of the most stupid, ridiculous thing I could think of. And that was to go, yoo That was stupid and silly. Wow. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. And I did that. And he heard it. He said, he pushed the button. He said, okay, do that again on the next time. And we got it. That's perfect. I'm like, what? He said, do that again on the next one. We got it. That's perfect. I said, okay. Wow. And they recorded it and did that twice. And that went on to teach me the most valuable lesson in songwriting that I had ever learned at that point in time. And that was less is always more. Less is best. And after all the singing that I had been doing in my career, my voice could do anything I wanted it to do or anything I thought of it to do. But in order to get the crowd and lock them in, you have to do something simple that they can do. And if you perform for them, then you have a better chance of having a success, successful song. Don't get caught up in what we call musical masturbation, where you're getting yourself off. You've got to give it to people because most people that are buying music, most of the clientele that you're playing for, don't have talent. So they can't sing those fancy licks and they can't sing those this and that and so forth. Here's a great example to using both of those things. Let's take boys to men, okay? Then here we come to the end of the road and I can't let go. That was so simple. But then when the guys come in and start singing, they go, and I, they start singing all these licks and everything. But nobody sings those lines. But when that chorus comes, the whole audience is singing. You always want to keep your hooks in a way that's so simple that they can really absorb it and repeat it and be a part of it and sing it in the shower. That's why songs like Get Down On It and Ladies Night and Celebration and Joanna and Cherish the Love. Well, that's why all these songs became so big because the hooks are so simple that the guy that doesn't have talent and sing it in the shower and feel comfortable. Yes. But you put that little part, woohoo, that's very crucial. Yes, didn't know that it was going to be that way. And it was a blessing that, that you know, came about. But it helped me to learn a lesson about songwriting and, and doing little pieces and less is best. And um, no, I didn't get a, a writer's proportion for that. But what I did get, and I just count my blessings, I'm saying I thank God for those blessings, is the fact that... Yes, that part did help to make an intricate and integral part to it, but it gave me a platform for the rest of my life. That's and right. so I'll always be thankful for that because I could have missed it altogether and said something else and it would not have hit. So I was very fortunate to have that and that was just a, a God blessing. Right. But when you started out, you were from Ohio where all these great punk bands come from back in the day how was it like okay well i didn't grow up in ohio 
Okay. I was from Sacramento, California. Oh. <laughs> and I migrated, chasing my dreams. And instead of going west, young man, I went east. And I went to a place, and that's just what I also tell people that are want to be successful at music and at anything, really. There's three C words. These are words that start with C that are intricate to being successful. The first one is you have to have courage to go outside your comfort zone and go to a place that's less convenient and less comfortable to make your way. Kind of like what you did by coming from Japan to here. I'm Leo, and I have that courage. Yes, that's right. So that was one of the C words. And that's what, so I had to leave from my hometown in Sacramento to go to the big city and then get a shot to go to Ohio where I didn't know where Ohio was. And I definitely didn't know where Yellowstown was, where the group was from that I joined called Mighty Generation. And Mighty Generation was a funk band. We wore hot pants with leggings from the knee down and played nothing but Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> and it was the Chitlin Circuit. So the Chitlin Circuit meant we made $20 a night per man and 10 of those dollars went to the community bag of weed. And that's how we were <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I had to have the courage to leave all the comforts of home and where people knew me and all of that to go to another place and grow and learn how to adapt and learn different cultures and learn how with, you know, that word MF, I used to think it was an offensive scenario until I got to Ohio and I found out it was a term of endearment. But I had to fight everybody for the first month because I didn't realize it. Every time somebody comes, oh, MF, you did it. I'm like, what? I want to fight them. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. We're just, talk we're just talking. You know, MF. I'm like, what? Cool out, man. He said, you're cool. Oh, is that what that meant? Yes, that's what that meant. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to get in his ass. Okay, no, that's not, no. So I, you know, certain things you had to learn <laughs> by going to a different environment and make your way there. So that's got the part to do with the courage. The second C is you have to have the vision to collaborate with somebody else that has something that you don't have. And then something special that you don't have special then you put those two things together and there's always power in numbers mm -hmm. so that's the next valuable c word to success and the final c word to success includes a little bit of all of those things but as you have to have a relationship with christ these are the three things that will give you success, will roll with you as long as these things are, are the three C words, uh, courage, collaboration, Christ. Those three things will guarantee you an amount, a certain amount of success, but it wants you out there to also be prepared for what you ask for because success is a double-edged sword. The more successful you become, the people closest to you pay the biggest price for that success. Mm -hmm. That means they won't see you as much anymore. Your mm -hmm. kids won't see you. Your your husband won't see you. Your wife won't see you. Your grandparents and your parents won't see you. All those people closest to you will not get a chance to see you the more successful you become because you become part of the world and they need you. And that's how you, where you have to go. So you have to be careful for what you wish for because success comes with a price. Yeah.
But with the price, you have achieved a lot of dreams, working with your idol, Ultra Sandoval. How was it like? Oh, my gosh. Well, I've had a blessing, uh, time chasing and, and being able to be around people that were mentors to me. Um, but even before Arturo, I was given vocal lessons by a guy named Seth Riggs, who yeah. was Stevie Wonder's vocal coach. Yes. And Stevie Wonder took me to Seth. And Stevie paid for my vocal lessons that I've used for the rest of my life since then. Stevie heard me and we did a concert in Columbus and I, and I met his brother. His name is Milton Hardaway. And Milton comes to me and he says, oh, I'm Stevie Wonder's brother. And uh, he's over there and he loves that song, Let It Whip. I said, man, I would just love to meet Stevie Wonder because he's one of my idols. I just love to meet Stevie Wonder. He says, well, he's over there in that trailer. I'm like, really? So I just got up. I'm like, can we go meet him? He says, okay, come on. He took me over there to the trailer. And he was back in the back messing with a, it was like a Palm Pilot at that time. That was the new stuff. Nobody had those. He was over there working on, and it was in Braille. So he was typing and what have you in Braille and working on sending out messages and this and that. And Milton comes in and says, hey, Steve, I got this guy, Skip Martin. He's from the Daz Band, man. He sings that song, Let It Whip. And Stevie in the back says, and it's no time to lose. Man, that's a bad motherfucker, man. Woo! I'm like, I just wanted to fall on the floor. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no, no, I'm tripping out. I'm like, he's singing my song. I'm tripping out. I'm Lou, I'm wigging out. And I'm just out of breath. I'm like, oh, Stevie, I can't believe it, man. I love you so much, man. I've been listening to you for all my life. And it's about it. It's so worth it. He says, yeah, man, that's cool. Man. So um, he says, yeah, so, um, yeah, man, what, what, yeah, where you live at, man? Where you at? I said, man, I'm over here. I'm over here in Vegas. And this and that. Yeah, okay, yeah, I come to Vegas sometime. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, I said, Stevie, they're wearing me out here. I'm, I've just done 33 shows in 30 days. And I have, they're wearing my voice out. I need some vocal lessons. Can you help me out? He says, well, sure, man, I can. I'm going to get you to my guy. You know, my guy, Seth Riggs. He's a baddest. He's a baddest, man. He's a baddest. I said, well, I'd love to meet him. He said, yeah, just come on out there, man. I'll, I'll hook it up for you. So that was our initial meeting. And he helped me. I mean, it was just amazing to meet somebody that I had idolized for so long. And um, so he's one of the first idol people that I ever had that, that really touched me in that way. And he eventually told me, I think we met at the American Music Awards. I was there with Rick James, who we had been on tour with. And what is the thing? Pull it up to the bumper, baby. The long back Wigginsine. What's her name? Uh, Grace Jones. Her name was Grace <laughs> Jones, okay? Grace Jones was out there in a the damn wicker dress. She had a wicker dress with a wicker hat on and a cat <laughs> suit on underneath the wicker dress. That was it. She was killing it, right? I didn't know if I wanted to do her or she wanted to do me or something. I don't know what it was. Provocative. <laughs> something about her. At any rate, so we were at the music awards and then Stevie comes out and he had these all these braces with butterflies and all of this stuff in his braids, like a songbook. You know, he had they had had all that stuff in his hair and everything. And I, he comes out and, and me and Rick are standing there and I said, Steve, how you doing, man? He says, Hey, Skip. How you doing, man? 
I said, man, I hadn't, you know, he hadn't called me back. I hadn't got the, you know, the call about the vocal lessons or this or that and so forth. But he told me he was going to do it. So I didn't want to bug him about it. So I just went ahead and did it. And then Rick James saw Grace Jones coming out in that wicker dress. And he said, Stevie, you, you ought to see Grace Jones and this what she got on. Man, she got on a wicker basket dress. Man, he's like, <laughs> like, what? Man, let me see that. And Stevie reaches out and grabs the dress and starts touching around the tops and the sides of the dress. He's like, oh, wow. And, 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 and Rick is like, man, you need to see that shit. That shit is crazy. And he's like, oh, man. He's just looking at him. And <laughs> Stevie tells me, he says, after that, he says, hey, Skip, you want to do those vocal lessons? I said, yeah, definitely I want to do the vocal lessons. He says, okay, come with me. I'm like, okay. So we're in the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles. It's a huge building theater. He walks me from the stage through the lobby to the back of the parking lot to a gold Rolls Royce that was sitting there against the fence. He <laughs> had all the steps counted and took me exactly to it. Wow. And then, then he turned around and got into the driver's seat and started working on the palm pilot. I said, uh-uh, Stevie, I know you're not getting ready to drive this bitch. He's like, yes, I have. Oh, man. So we just started laughing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he was on there working on that. So what he did was he got my room, a rent a car, changed my flight situation for me, and contacted Seth Riggs. And he gave me $500 to pay Seth Riggs for a week of vocal lessons with private lessons with Seth. Wow. And it's a gift of love that I will never, ever forget. I was so glad to have that from my mentor and somebody that I look so highly up to. And for him to embrace me and give me love in that type of way was just, it was life changing. So I was very thankful for that. And um, I was open to that. And then later on in my life, my trumpet is what taught me how to sing. So I started playing trumpet first. And um, my one of the people that I'm really enamored with is Miles Davis. And that kind of approach towards the music gave me so much so much love that I just started playing with that kind of sound. So now recently, so then I get a chance to meet Arturo Sandoval. I'm, and he's the best technician, I think, on the trumpet in the world. Nobody can play stuff on, on trumpet like he can. I have a YouTube video of him playing my trumpet with no mouthpiece. That's like playing a violin with no strings. Wow. And he came up and started blowing into the pipe of my trumpet. Wow. Without the mouthpiece and was playing And I'm like, ah! No, he didn't! I'm like, no, you're not! And I, something made me start filming while he was playing that. So I have it on YouTube if you ever want to see Arturo Sandoval. It's one of my Trip with Skip episodes. But he gave me so much love and he told me, he said, Skip, he said, everything you play is jazz, man. And I think what he was saying is just my approach to playing the horn is like a vocalist. I'm really like singing on my horn. I'm not trying to be a technician and do all the acrobats and all the flips and turns. I'm trying to sing. That's also where I tied in the fact that less is best doing something if you do less of it it makes more space for people to embrace what you're seeing mm. so 
a great song is like a great orator like Barack Obama. He's one of the best orators I've ever witnessed mm -hmm. in my life. And I've seen Martin Luther King. And I've seen so many other people, and Kennedy and this person and that one. But Barack, he, will, he, he talks like a song. So he'll say, so I want to tell you that in the first place, <laughs> we have to listen to what's coming up next. And then we take care of that. So he makes sure to put the spaces in to make you sit on the edge of your seat waiting for the next word. Yes. So a song has got to be played that same way. Say a line and then let the space be between that and the next line that you say so that they can be ready and they be waiting for that next thing to hear what you're going to say. So a space is most important in a song, just like it is in a speech. Yeah, some of the songs these days have no space and just keep going and going. Right, and then it's just like a conversation that somebody just keeps going on, going and going. They just talk all the time. They don't let any spacing, don't let any reply in, don't let any response come in, and this and that, so forth. Pretty soon you start drowning them up because it just sounds like, sound like one thing. It's just going back and forth and so forth and so on. And, so on. and you, blown, you drown them out. You block it out. But if you want to be heard, you sing, I... Was a shell of a man living in hell, suffering from a broken heart in me. Now that makes you sit and listen to every little piece that's coming down because it gives you a chance to embrace it. Then you get the story, then you get everything. I hope you enjoyed part one. Please continue to watch part two about songwriting as well. And don't forget to click subscribe and hit the bell to get notified about new videos of Songwriter's Room, my new music, or Japan news series. Arigato!